0: that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys, and welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Can you believe... We're on episode, I think this is going to be 47, you guys. Not only that, can you believe that I still have um, a cold, the tail end of a cold? This sucker is hanging on for dear life. Oh my God. So I still sound a little stuffy. I might still need to use a tissue here and there. <laughs> so for those of you viewing at home, I apologize <laughs> for that. All right, you guys, here's the deal <clears throat> I'm not sure what I'm going to call this one yet. Maybe something like. Um, this is not a grief competition. <laughs> this is not a grief and love competition or, you know, dealing with the grief of a pet. I don't know what I'm going to call it. Yeah. But here's, here's what I, here, here's the deal. So over the past, um, few weeks, like Facebook and just like personally, like text messages, blah, 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 all the different ways you find out things nowadays about your, um, friends, both near and far. Online, a lot of the times, right? And I've just been seeing post after post after post after post of people talking about um, losing their furry kids, their furry friends, their beloved pets, whatever you want, whatever you might have your own word for it. Um, Little furry members of the family. And I've just been—I was like, oh my god! I was talking about how it was like my my poor hat was like a punching bag. And so I was kind of re- reflecting on all of this. And so I did a, um, <clears throat> like a few stories or more than a few stories, whatever it is, on uh, Instagram. And I got so much response from it, from people saying, thank you so much, or, oh my God, I needed this today. Yes, yeah, you know, just whatever. It was such a, um, a great support. And I thought, oh man, you know, um, people, there might be more people who could benefit from hearing this or just this point of view. And look, I, I grant it, like everything I say, it's just what I'm currently thinking and feeling. I always say, it not, might not be for everybody. Um, you might not agree with it. Take what works, leave the rest. And I always reserve the right to change my mind. <laughs> I always reserve the right to have an internal pivot. You know what I mean? But right now, this is kind of where I, I stand with things and how I think of things. So here, here's the deal. Here's the thing that I wanna say. Okay, um, all I know is this that so and this is kind of the impetus and this was one of the original kind of um inspirations for why i wanted to talk about this is i have a friend so any any of my friends who have furry kids i immediately call them my furry nieces and nephews right (laughs) i like i just adopt them all because i love them all um and some of them i get really attached to mostly through because i get to spend time with them and i get to know them um and I'm not, t- look, I'm not saying that their human kids aren't great either, but this is a show specifically for this moment, for this moment, um, about, about loss of a pet and stuff like that. Um, so it, it will branch out in a moment, but just wanting to say that, you know, I had somebody, a friend of mine who lost one of his furry kids, my furry nephew, and it was like a blow. It was like, oh God, man, that one, that was like, ah, that one really, really, that one's going to leave a mock. That's what I always say about our relationships with with um, animals is that by and large most animals. I mean sometimes there's like exotic birds and parrots and things like that, and those suckers can last like 30 years. I mean there are people who have turtles who've been around like certain species of turtles that have been around forever. But by and large, given the lifespan of a human, when we enter into a close relationship with an animal, we we already know we already know that we're probably going to outlive that animal. Not always, but most often we're probably going to outlive that animal. So we go into it knowing like, okay, this is going to end in heartbreak. Like this relationship is going to end in heartbreak. As I often jokingly say, like, oh, I already know this is going to leave a mark, right? This is not going to be soothing (laughs) when the time comes to have to say goodbye. So we go into it willingly because the connection and the friendship and the relationship and the love that you share um, with an animal It's often so uncomplicated. And I've often said that like my relationship with animals, um, animals are like one of my fastest pathways to God because um, there's so much unadulterated, so much unchecked. It's just like free flowing love for me with animals. It's not complicated at all. So it shows me the great capacity of my heart. Um, And so, and obviously, obviously I have a a lot of love for humans too. Human relationships can feel a little more complicated though, right? <laughs> so um, so it's just like our relationship with animals can be so deep and so um, just like safe. It can be one of your safe places. You know, your animals aren't judging you. Like you walk in the door, you know, you could have been just a total jerk to somebody at work. You could even sometimes be a jerk to your animal and they'll still just want your love. I mean, you know, we see it in little children as well. We see it in animals but it's like your your pets aren't judging you. Your pets, like you're their whole world. Like you're the one that houses them. Hopefully you're taking good care of your animals and feeding them and giving them shelter and not leaving them outside all day. Don't even get me started on that. Um, you know, but they have such a deep love for us too. Um, and so when one of them passes away, it can just be just devastating, just like crushing to people. And I had a friend who recently lost one of their pets and they called me and I hadn't talked to them in a while, uh, but they knew how much I had loved their dog. And they called me and they said, I needed to talk to somebody who would get it. I needed to talk to somebody who would understand, you know, I know that you get this and with your background, this is, you know, they're talking to me and they're like, I know in your background with just like spirituality and stuff, but also your love of animals, that I could talk to you about this, and they were just crying and crying and crying, and I was just listening for them, and you know. And I've just seen, like I said, I've just seen online over the past few weeks. Um, you know, we lost one of our beloved furry kids, Susie Rabbit, our cat, a couple of months ago, um, and so you know. And I'm no stranger, obviously, to the grief of of losing um, an animal, but I just know how deeply this 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 um, this kind of a loss can cut. You know. And so what I I have found so often is that people will say really, um, I I was going to say stupid things, but I don't mean stupid. I meant more like ignorant, like unkind because they don't get it. They'll say like, oh, it was just a dog. It was just a cat. It was just an animal. It was just a like whatever the thing is, which first of all tells you um, so much about that person and how much how many relationships they've actually had, close relationships they've had with an animal. <laughs> because most people who have who've spent a lifetime of caring for and living with animals, they don't often have that, that point of view. Um, so this is just kind of like a love letter to all my um, fellow animal lovers out there, animal parents who um, are suffering from a recent loss <clears throat> and feel like maybe... You're not allowed to grieve at the depth that you would like to grieve because other people are going to judge it. Other people are going to tell you to get over it. Other people are going to make um unkind, ignorant comments about it, like it was just whatever. Um, so I just wanted you to know that you had somebody out there, an ally who like understands and who sees you and feels you and and gets that how debilitating it can feel when you lose one of your furry kids um, that you just poured so much into and you had a deep connection with. It really, really, really can hurt. And I just don't want anybody uh, to be running some racket on you where they're trying to get you to hurry up and Get over it, or you know, so often, so often with grief, I should just do a whole show on grief, period. <laughs> but I want to kind of try and stay on topic with this. But so often with grief, when people are trying to belittle, or dumb down, or numb, or speed up your process of grief, it's because of their own discomfort around it. You know, so often people want you to hurry up and get over things because they don't have the capacity to hold the space right? Or they don't have the compassion within them yet. I think we all have it. Uh, unless you're like born like a sociopath or, you know, really like s- seriously, you're born with those wires or whatever, just don't, the synapsis doesn't connect. Um, but I think compassion is something that we naturally have, but I definitely think it's a, it's a tool um, or a skill set, I should say, that we can enhance and grow and strengthen and expand um, as we get fill in the blank, wiser, um, more willing to be vulnerable, more willing to be soft and gentle and merciful, you know, compassion can be, is definitely something that we can learn to get better at. I know because, um, it has been a journey of mine, um, to, you know, I came into the world a wicked sensitive kid. It kind of was discouraged, (laughs) you know, by certain people in my life that it was seen as a sign of weakness. Um, and so I'm always, always, always trying to expand, my compassion. And it's one of the reasons why also I'm vegan, right? Is I've never wanted to inflict suffering on another living being. Um, And I understand how much animals in our world suffer so much. So this is just like a shout out to um to those of you who may be again experiencing um a recent loss or you know you're going to be like i look at my kids i have six furry kids left right i've got four dogs um a cat and a bunny you know and many of them are getting up there in years like you know bucky biscuits is like 13 he's one of our dogs um and toby pajamas our cat is you know heading towards 13. They're, you know, they're um, rescue animals, so you don't really know their age when you get them. Um, but we've had them, we've had them for like over twelve years, so they're definitely you know, like in the, chipping to the thirteen. Um, and then Quincy, Quincy Magoo, our pug, he's ten, heading towards eleven, and um, in a few months. And um, the littles, the two other two dogs, uh, Scootam- Scoots Magoots, and Little Mister Peanut you know, they're like eight going on nine and then Binky is six heading towards seven. So look, here's the reason why I'm telling you all this is because I'm heading for a world of pain, people. <laughs> like I already know. Oh my God, I'm, I'm going to get pummeled over the next like, you know, fill in the blank however many years, probably say like next five years, maybe five to seven years is just going to be a world of pain coming my way. Um, and I remember when Abby, um, Abby girl, my beloved Border Collie, look, to this day, to this day, her, the anniversary of her um, putting her to sleep was actually yesterday. So um, it's been seven years and I still, I, when that comes up, when, that, when, when she comes up in my memories and I see pictures of her, I still have pictures of her out all over the house. I have a painting of her and stuff like that. It's still, man, it's still like, ah, uh, I still start to cry. And when she first died, when I had to make that decision, you know, she was 14 and she was starting to lose her faculties and it was the most loving thing to do. And as I often say, the most loving thing isn't, uh, just because it's the right thing. It doesn't mean it's the easy thing and knowing when to knowing when to make that decision. Um, and, and, I always say, we have to love them enough to say goodbye to them, to let them go, um, and to let them go with care, you know, to, to do it in a way, um, Now look, sometimes it's going to be a natural progression where your dog has a stroke or your dog has a heart attack. They die at home, and like what? What a beautiful gift if they just like boom, they go without pain and suffering in in an environment where it's safe. But if your animal is like so 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 sick, we have to be courageous enough like to not give them, you know, care towards the end. It's just like oh my god, it just breaks my heart. So you know, hopefully, hopefully you haven't if you have an animal, you you have an animal that you can. Um, and I say this with genuine, um, you know, no judgment, because I understand that that financially it can be tough sometimes, but um, it's not even but. And um, hopefully you are able to give your animals a peaceful exit um, with with a vet or with somebody who can help them to transition in a, in a painless way. Um, so when it came time to put Abby to sleep, um, I literally had to shut down. I shut down my yoga studio for like three days. I was just not... I was just like, I just knew I would be crying the whole time and then I wouldn't be able to get my words out without bursting into tears, which is fine. I've started crying in class many times over the years. It's not that. It's just this would have been like, you know, sobbing, like uncontrollable sobbing. And so after the three days, um, the moratorium of like taking time off from work and social media, I just like didn't wanna, I just needed to go into the depths of my grief. And, And anybody who knew Abby, loved Abby, and I, I literally had to, like, I wrote, well, yeah, I didn't have to, but I chose to, so I wrote to everybody whose life, you know, they, who, who had been a part of her life that anybody who like threw, not anybody, but most people who had like thrown her a ball or loved her, like she was kind of like an appendage of mine. Wherever I went, she went with me. Um, it was brutal. Losing her was brutal. And I'll never forget my first day back at the studio. Um, you know, my clients, my students, obviously, I'm just, they knew, they knew her because I used to bring her to the studio and stuff like that. But um you know, one guy came up to me at the end of the class, everybody was being so nice to me. And he just looked at me and he said, I'm so sorry. And I literally, you guys, I let out this sound, <laughs> like I let out a sound that I don't know if I ever had made before. And I just started sobbing, like snot everywhere, the whole thing. And he just hugged me and, oh my God, I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now. Oh, my hat. Um, I just loved her so much. She was one of my best, best and most loyal friends. And oh, she was, she was one of the lights of my world. And she was such a good dog. She was such a good dog. She was such a good girl. And, um, I was so blessed. I was so blessed to get to spend life with her and time with her. And the love we shared was deep and it was real and it was sincere and it was so genuine. And, um, She was just like part of my heartbeat. And so I just want to encourage all of you, if you're somebody who's listening to this and you've ever heard yourself say, oh, get over it. It's just a dog. Look, I always say this. It's like people, people will say all kinds of stupid shit when other people are grieving. 98% of the time, you know, if I had to give it a statistic, 98% of the time, people don't mean to say stupid things. (laughs) They just are clumsy. Sometimes they don't know what else to say. Sometimes their compassion was beaten out of them as children. Sometimes they don't know what to do. So they're just like, they just want you to be different so that they can feel better, you know? But, um, you know, and people will say things to you like, oh, it's not like you lost a person. It's not like you lost a person that you loved or somebody you loved. It's like, da 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 and I always just want to stop people and remind them. And I'm going to go more deeply into this in a second. It's like, look, this is not the fucking, it's not like, uh, it's not like a fucking grief competition, you know? And I, I've heard people say to me um, both ways, and I'm going to talk about this. And I want to go into this because I think this is an important aspect of things is that, you know, somebody wants once said to me, like, you know, in, in please, please, please hear this. I'm not, how do I say this? Oh, this one's going to, this one's a very, very, very sensitive one. So I'm trying to be really clear about it when I say it, but there are people who will say things like this. Like, it's not like you lost, like they like to make their grief special. And they'll say, well, you don't understand, you've never lost a kid, or you've never lost a mom, or you've never lost a sibling, or you've never lost a partner, or you've never lost like whatever. And I just don't think it's really fair to the other people, which is like everybody else. There's these little clubs that people like to get in where they think like if we, there's like a hierarchy of grief. I guess that's what I want to say. There's no hierarchy of grief in a way, meaning that other people don't get to tell you how you should feel about your particular loss, right? I, I know, and I know because I've worked with and I know people who have, have have lost children and it is awful and it is brutal and it is one of, a, a very difficult, difficult thing to navigate and to try and heal from um and but there's no hierarchy like i don't think it's fair when people who have had a particular grief story try to then make other people's grief not as bad quote unquote not as important it, it because with the flip side of that what it's saying and what they may not realize in their own grief when they're saying these kinds of things is that they're trying to negate also if you're trying to negate somebody's grief there's another level where you're trying to negate their love like i loved more and the way that this often shows up, and I've had people say it to me before. In fact, somebody just said it to me like three days ago, and they were, I didn't call their attention to it because they were just kind of caught up in their own suffering and their own shit that it wasn't the right time to point it out. You know, but people often say stuff like, um, you know, until you have your own child, until you have a human child, until you have a kid, you don't know what real love is. And I'm always just like, that is like one of the most fucked up things to say, first of all, because I'm like, first of all, not true. Second of all, um, don't you get to be special, right? It's like this whole thing. And my whole point to that is this. When you say things like that about um, a a level, if I can put it that way, a level of grief, and you also try to say those things about a level of love, here's what most people don't understand. That desire to have your grief be bigger than, that desire to have your love be more grandiose. It's, it's all the ego's desire to be special. That's all it is, is the ego's desire to be special. The ego works over time. That ego is punching that fucking clock, ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk over time because it just wants to be special and it will find any way that it possibly can to be special. So I don't think it's like, I just don't think it's cool. I just don't think it's very kind when people say things like that, like, you know, love is love is love is love. Grief is grief is grief is grief. And I, I would challenge anybody that tries to explain to me Why their love for their like kid, human child, is greater than quote unquote my love for my mom or my love for my pet or my love for my husband. Like we love to make things so fucking precious when it comes to kids, you know what I mean? And look, they're beautiful, they're amazing. Don't get me wrong, but to me, so are puppies and so are other human beings, right? You know what I mean? So I think we like to make certain relationships. More special, you know, and the whole thing is, is if you look at any spiritual tradition, the whole thing is to kind of like, and I don't mean eradicate the ego so much as not take the ego seriously, but it's all about moving beyond specialness. You know, when Jesus says love your neighbor, what he's talking about, what he's saying is love everybody equally. You shouldn't just love your kid more than you love your neighbor. And I know that's a wild concept for people. They're just like, what do you mean, KK? I'm like, love all your brothers and sisters. And that's what your kids are. They're also your brothers and sisters. They're your brothers and sisters as like being one of God's kids. You know, even in the Catholic tradition, I've often talked about this when it says, you know, the the, the Lord's prayer, it starts our father who art in heaven. Our, all of us equally, not my father, our father, all of us, right? We all come from, and whether you're in the scientist realm where you say we're all made of stardust, we're all made of the same stardust, amen, right? Great, whatever. You say you know we're all God's kids, amen, but we're all the same. It's equal. It's not a hierarchy of grief or a hierarchy of love, and when you say things like that to somebody, I guarantee you it feels like shit, and they're sometimes being kind enough not to come at you swinging, I don't mean I I don't swing at people physically, right? But I can swing with my words. And um, there are times when I just like I, I I can totally see, like I can like when somebody says that to me now, depending on where they're at, like if it's with a client or with somebody else, I sometimes have to go whoa 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 whoa. You don't get to take my grief from me or my love from me. You don't get to determine, you know, the level or the depth of whatever that I feel a thing. So I just want people to be really mindful of that. Like be mindful of the shit that comes out of your mouth. Be mindful of how your words. Now, look, sometimes somebody, we can't control what somebody else um, might feel. I always say we're not responsible for how somebody else reacts or responds to what we say, but man, are are we responsible for what comes out of our mouth? Not just what we say, but how we say it. And if you say something as a definitive statement, like this is the truth, like this is the gospel truth, you know, you don't leave a lot of wiggle room for people to kind of like rebut or to say, I don't agree, especially, you know, that stuff. So let's just be really careful about declaring, um, you know, our grief is being more deeply in. And then here's another thing too, I want to share. On the flip side of that, there have been times when, um, you know, because in the work that I do as a spiritual mentor, You know, people, I always say people won't come to work with me because everything's awesome. Sometimes a bunch of things are awesome, but there's still an area that like they need some help in. Sometimes it's all a shit show. (laughs) And I say that with great love and and lightness and respect, right? Sometimes there's a lot of different things or there's a a main culprit that's kind of getting in the way of everything else. And so we're we're working with some stuff, but there'll be times when people want to, will come up to me, excuse me, after they heard me speak on stage or when they start working with me. And they're almost like a little embarrassed to talk about what they're suffering about. And they'll say like, Oh my God, KK, like, this is nothing like, you know, I can't even believe I'm saying this to you. Cause like, this is nothing like what you went through. And I'm always like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I'm not judging your suffering. I'm not judging your grief. You know, the only time where I might, you know, kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Intervene. is if somebody feel If somebody comes to me and they're stuck in a pattern, like there are times when you get debilitated by your grief and then you kind of start to use it as an excuse. You start to use it to feel victimized and you don't move on. You don't start to move back into living. You don't start, you know, like you kind of refuse to accept that life goes on. And at some point the task is to go on living. There are times when, You can get sidelined or taken out by your grief and you need help in in starting to kind of move forward. I'm not talking about that, but I never want somebody to come to me and talk to me um, and and try to like... um not belittle their grief, but not make their experience there. It's always just like, Oh my God, I feel bad because you know, you guys all, if you've listened to my podcast, you know, my story that my mother was murdered when I was a kid and stuff like that. And so people, a lot of, you know, and people always just trying to like justify like why they feel this way when, when, you know, they look at somebody quote unquote, like you, meaning like me. And I'm always just like, no, 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 no. That's a racket. I don't play that game. You know, if you're a little kid, right, if you're a young person and your best friend um, is a dog, like let me put it this way, a goldfish, a dog, whatever, and um, and, and that was like the, the, the creature that you spent a lot of time with. Like if you're a kid that's bullied or you're a kid that had no quote-unquote human friends, you know what I mean, and you felt so, so, so alone, and you have a pet that comforts you that you love, and that pet dies, oh my God, you guys, you don't even know, right? I just think to myself like, oh my God, like... The level and depth of that grief. And so other people might say it was only a goldfish, but you don't know the meaning that the, that person had assigned to that relationship. So I just want us all to like, you know, if I could just give you, I'm like, if, if I die and people remember like one thing that I share from my heart, it would just be, be kind, be kind, be kind that's it can we just be kind to each other around this stuff this living this being human (laughs) this loving this grieving you know the death all the stuff that comes with this human experience That great quote, that great quote, and it's a great quote because it's so true, which is be kind because everybody you meet is fighting some sort of a battle. You don't know what's going on with another human being. You could never know, right? Like what that animal meant to a person or what that person meant to a person or what that loss, like, you know, truly is for them. And you don't get to judge it. You know, I'm going to do a whole episode on judgment too what it actually, what's actually required for somebody to be able to judge. And let me just tell you this, none of us fit the bill. (laughs) So, you know, we might want to just relax about um, that. And I was a little hesitant even in doing this episode because I was like, oh, I'm going to piss off the parents. I'm going to piss off the people with dead kids. I'm going to piss off this and this and this. But it's not that. What I'm trying to do is to try to help you to kind of peel back and reveal that that's all ego play the ego want, you know when people say well you don't understand because you never lost a whatever it's like no i can't i can't 100% understand because i didn't have that specific experience with those specific players at that specific time that wasn't my journey i've had my own losses i've had my own grief grief but, <clears throat> but i can relate I can relate to the death. I can relate to the suffering. I can relate to the loss. And I'm not trying to outdo you. You know, I used to teach, um, I'm using my little time timer right now. You guys, I'm gonna hold it up, right? I was trying to do this in 30 minutes. So it's gonna ding in a minute, just ignore that. Um, um, So I used to teach grief and yoga workshops. And um, it would be a gathering for folks who were going through stuff. And man, there would be people in that group in those workshops, you know, often like 10, 10 people or more would show up and we'd kind of sit in a circle in the very beginning. I would invite them to um, talk about why they were there, why they were really there to name their, if there was a person or a pet or whatever, you know, they were there for whatever experience they were there for to to say their name, blah, 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 blah. And one of the things I would notice, um, or one of the things I would try to prevent, actually, it's like, it was almost like, you know, if somebody started off Somebody started off, um, and let me, let me say it like this. So some of the people who were there would, might have stories of, you know, um, a husband or a partner, a wife, a lover, whoever, of like 35 years just passed away. And like, what does life look like like without them, you know? And some other people might have um, a partner, a sweetie, a lover, a, a, like a married spouse who was diagnosed with an awful disease. And so they were dying at a very young age and they were kind of like disappearing before their eyes. Like, I mean, anything you can imagine, dead children, um, you know, not a great relationship with a parent who passed away and now there's all this unfinished business. Like you could just go on and on and on and on and on, right? Suicides, mer- like everything you could think of that people are processing and going through. And so, um, but what happens in an experience like that is when you go around the circle, you know, the stories, like I would say to people, I don't, you, how do I say this? I didn't say it exactly like this because this is going to sound a little mean, but it wasn't like this. But I used to say, like, look, there's no need to exaggerate. There's no need to try and make your story worse than the person before you. There's no need to feel um, bad or silly or ridiculous or whatever the word is, ashamed, because your story isn't, quote unquote, as bad. There's none of that here we're all here because we're suffering. There's no grief competition here. You know what I mean? And I think it's really important that when we're trying to navigate a fresh loss, or even like a lot of times there's delayed grief. Like I had a lot of delayed grief with my mom where at the time I wasn't really allowed to, I didn't know how to, and I wasn't allowed to like express the depth of my suffering. Hence why I got irritable bowel syndrome, I believe that's one of the things. I think it's one of the factors of why. But, you know, stuffing a lot of things down and stuff like that. So there's like delayed grief. There's like grief where you're actually grieving the loss of a person who's still alive, whether it's Alzheimer's or drug addiction or like, oh my God, you guys, there's a thousand reasons why we can grieve. And I guess this is just an invitation for us to not um, to not be judge and jury on other people's processes and to not say things to them like, oh, I grieve more because I lost Um, a newly, I'm a newlywed and I lost my whoever, like three months after being married or, oh my God, I lost a child or, oh, and it was just a dog. Like all these different ways that we try to actually separate and create specialness. And you guys look, when I say we try to be special, it's not conscious. You know, it's not conscious. It's like, it's subconscious work. It's the ego deep at work. And so while we can't always, um, this is why I always say to people, you know, my clients, especially, you must be vigilant. You must be vigilant. You must be vigilant for the quality of your thoughts because your thoughts are what become your words. Your thoughts are what become your actions. And so we want to be able to kind of put things through the filter. I'm all for unfiltered. Like, I don't mind. Like, I I like people who like speak their mind and who aren't like, you know, like, um, tiptoeing through the tulips of sensitivity all the time. Like I like when a person can just speak their mind, you know, but if you start to align yourself more and more and more and more, and what did they say? Those three gates, your words should pass through three gates. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And what I find is that last one, is it necessary? Most people just trample all over that one. (laughs) And how can we always know what's true? That's why those words, like there's only truth. Truth is one thing. It's eternal. Truth is a truth. You might have your opinions or your versions or your perspectives. doesn't mean it's the truth. So let's just be careful about declarative statements that we make around loss, around love, around grief, around being special. Um, You know, I think, I think we, why can't we just appreciate that somebody loved and now they're going through a loss and so they have grief. You know, and I've heard people, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen people say it. I've seen people roll their eyes and go, oh my God, it was just a cat already. Get over it already. And I just think like, look, I can understand if it's like six years later, three years later, whatever. and I'm just using random time frames. I can understand there are certain times when it's like, hey, now it's time. We got to pick ourselves up off the floor. You know, we got to pull up, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. All those cliche sayings. There are times when it's like, okay, let's start to move back towards the light. Yes, this was awful. Yes, this happened. But when somebody is really new in their grief, can we please just be fun and nice to each other, people? Can we not try to put those labels of separation on things? And to anybody who's going through a loss right now, just know, man, like, I, I, I feel you and I am so sorry. And if nobody has said it to you, you know, whatever, whatever human or animal or whatever that you've recently lost. I'm so sorry. Cause I know how hot it can be. Um, it's one of the most difficult things sometimes that we go through and here's what's fascinating. Okay. I've lost like Abby, the, the way that I felt about Abby, um, <laughs> like if I want to, if I'm going to be weird for a minute and kind of do this like comparison thing, just to like, I had other people in my life that I've known that died and and I re- accepted those, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, all right, this hurts." And I cried, you know, I cried, and I felt my feelings or whatever. But the depth of that grief, for whatever reason, and here's the other thing, you guys, that nobody might be talking about: sometimes, a fresh grief, it triggers old grief it could just be bringing it back up but it could also be bringing up stuff that was never dealt with so sometimes the response which might seem exu- like um you know out of proportion i guess to some people you have no idea where that's coming from i guarantee you when i have griefy feelings now i'm still crying over my mom on some level again i'm 51 you know it was like 39 years ago or whatever you know 1981 i lost my mom and so <clears throat> it's It's not linear, it's like an intricate web. It's more like a spider web, <laughs> you know this whole thing, and you touch one part of the web over here and it reverberates it has it has like you, know, you touch something fresh in the in in the present and it can it can reach back into the past if that healing work hasn't been done. so really, this is just a call to kindness uh to not judge it and to not be in any kind of grief or love competition. Like can we please stop saying that? Like, seriously, if you're a person and you've said it before, I'm just going to gently invite you, to, like, if you've said the things like, well, until you've had a child, you didn't Maybe until you had a kid, you didn't know what love is. That's something that you can say. If you want to personalize it to you, like, oh my God, I didn't realize how selfish I was before this. I've never, you could even just simply say, I've never experienced myself in this way. Now that you haven't experienced love in that way, I've never experienced myself in this way. I feel so exposed. I feel so vulnerable. I feel like my hat's on my sleeve. All the things that, you know, that I hear parents saying. You know, but you don't get to tell other people that they don't know what love is. So if you've ever said that, um, and you can remember the last time you said it, apologize. <laughs> Find your person you said it to and make amends. Try not to say it anymore. And those of you who, who feel tempted to say, you know, it's just an animal. It's just a cat. It's just a dog. Zip it. Ask yourself, is it true? I don't know if it's true. It might not be true for them. It might be true for me. It might not be true for them. It might not be their experience. Is it kind? No, that's not a kind thing to say. And is it necessary? Absolutely not. <laughs> so let's just be a little kinder to each other, okay? That's all I'm saying, okay? And if you need, look, if you lost a pet and you just want somebody who gets it, you just want somebody to hear it. You guys, you can DM me. I can't tell you how many messages I got from people. Um, Like I said, after those Instagram stories, just thanking me. And I'm not saying it all like, oh, I'm so good. It's not that. What it tells me that it touched on a common nerve. It touched on something that more than one of us, more than me, Have had experiences with where people have told or said those things to them or people are just like, you know, so many people wrote to me that I didn't even know of. Like that was the other thing. I was already like, oh my God, my hat felt like a punching bag. And then like three, four more people wrote to me and said, like childhood friends and people I hadn't talked to in a while. And they said, I just had to, you know, put my dog down last week. We just lost one of our furry kids. Thank you so much for saying this. And And so look, if you just want somebody to bear witness to it and you just want to be able to gush and talk about your pet, um, I will read them (laughs) because I understand and and I get it and I I hear you and I feel you. And, um, you know, I hope this doesn't, um, you know, I can't, I always say to people, I'm not telling you what to think. I'm never telling you what to think. I'm not saying that this is my opinion is the truth. It's always just an invitation to think to change your perspective, to think differently, to see something from another POV, another point of view. So I think I'm just going to end it right there. I'm also going to invite you guys. So part of my work in 2020, if you've been listening, is to to get better at asking for help. Um, and one of the ways you guys can help me is if if you enjoy this podcast, if you look forward to it, if you download it, if you listen to it, if you like it, if you love it, <laughs> if you dig it in some way, it is so wicked helpful to me, you guys. You can help me to spread the love by not only maybe sharing it with somebody else, but doing a shout out about it. You can tag me on Instagram or Facebook, but mostly if you go to to Apple Podcasts and you um, leave a rating or write a sweet little review, that's always awesome. It's like a little mini testimonial and it just feels really nice and it lets me know that what I'm sharing from my hat is also landing in your hat. And that means a lot to me. Um, If you're interested, I'm now down to six slots of uh, one-to-one spaces that are open to work with me in spiritual mentoring. If that interests you, you can always reach out to me. Um, and then also just, if you just go to karenkenny.com, K-E-N-N-E-Y.com, that that's like the hub. That's the main way to find me in my events and my retreats. And I've got, I got workshops. I've got, um, I got a one day retreat, a couple of three day retreats. I got a, um, a, a speaking gig that I'm doing in Falmouth in Massachusetts, where my mass hole's at. It's going to be awesome. It's called Unstoppable Live. I'm really excited about that to be a guest at Hillary Porter's event, um, I have a couple of things that I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but <laughs> so I'm just really excited. Um, you can also on Instagram and Facebook, um, oh, my, my computer's lighting up. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm at Karen Kenny Live, L I V E. Okay, you guys, I, I see you and I feel you and I celebrate you and I love you. And if anybody is missing somebody, somebody that they love right now, I'm giving you a big virtual hug, I'm giving you a big squeeze, a big hug right now. I'm holding you in my hat. And and I love you. And wherever you go, and this is the thing about our own suffering, you guys. This is the thing about our own suffering is our suffering actually leads to more compassion it leads to us being able to um, understand and relate to and feel, not to be encumbered by, not to be taken out by, but to be able to understand somebody else's suffering and somebody else's compassion. And so if we can take that with us wherever we go, whether it's online or whether it's in person, if we can take that with us wherever we go, then we can start to be um, more loving and compassionate to each other. So as I always end my shows, and I mean this when I say this, like you are the light of the world. Right. So take that compassionate heart of yours. Take that big, old, generous heart of yours. Take that big, old, generous spirit of yours. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. (laughs) I super duper appreciate your time friendship and support and look if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours I'd love to hear about it so please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful you can find me over at Karen Kenny live that's Karen K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E